look like shit. Dad, you should see the LA guys. Who the f are you? Me? I'm nobody. Welcome back to episode 35 of The Underground for Thursday. This is our Thursday show. Uh, as all of you know, Joseph uh, was moving um, the day that we record the show, so he is not here with me, uh, which is fine because I'm going to talk about a movie that he hasn't seen yet um, and maybe a couple other things that he may or may not care about. We'll see. Uh, next week should be the first week that we're starting his journey into cinema uh, to both remind him to give him a refresher on movies that he's seen and also to hopefully get him to watch some stuff and sort of expand expand his um his uh plate or whatever of the th the type of entertainment that he consumes so uh, i'm really looking forward to that especially just talking to him about about these things and also learning about the kind of stuff that he really likes and the kind of stuff that he doesn't like so that hopefully will be happening next Monday. Uh, but we're just going to kind of go ahead and jump into the first topic of today, which is the movie Nobody. Um, Nobody came out uh, earlier this year, and it is... The surprise movie for me of 2021 if I'm being totally honest uh, in a year that's been full of over the top blockbuster CGI explosion superhero stuff uh, nobody was a, a pleasant surprise to really get started on this review of nobody is to give you guys a little background with everything that's kind of been going on. So uh, 2021 has not exactly been a, excuse me, a stellar year for movies. Uh, as most of you who listen to this show on a regular basis know, uh, I'm really tired of all of the woke garbage and all of the preaching that kind of gets put into most of the stuff that's coming out. And 2021 isn't exactly uh, the only, it's not like it just started this year. We've seen, uh, movies like Black Christmas uh, that came out a couple years ago that was just gar—I mean, just garbage. Uh, I, I think even most people who generally uh, tend to be more left-leaning uh, and and like movies, especially horror horror movies, and are fans of the classic Black Christmas movies. Whether that was, I think, it came out in the '70s, it's the original one, and then one that was done again in uh, the early 2000s. Uh, we've seen an uptick in the sort of female John Wick movies that are getting increasingly worse as time goes on. Um, and, and essentially what they're doing in Hollywood is they're, repla they're, they're writing a movie that would predominantly be done from the male perspective and they're, they're putting a female into the role. So uh, when the first trailer came out for Nobody... Uh, I was not impressed. <laughs> uh, one, this movie came out in February, and it's not January because, but January is generally known for um, sort of just the garbage bin of movies. It's sort of where you just send your movie to die uh, if you don't think it's going to do well. But nothing comes out then, so if you have something that's at least a decent enough premise, you're probably going to, you know, get a return to the box office, so on and so forth. 
Um, nobody was supposed to come out in February, but I think it ended up coming out in March. Uh, this year's been such a blur, it's hard to remember. Uh, I, I do remember a friend asking me if I wanted to go see it with him, and I was just like, no. Uh, I thought it was going to be another one of those movies where the main character just turns out to be this sad sack, um, and it was going to have some sort of message about toxic masculinity and and all of the uh, character traits that go along with a modern man through a progressive lens. Uh, And I just wasn't interested. I had no, absolutely no interest in seeing a movie like that. Then, Critical Drinker recently uh, gave it a pretty good review. Um, He he mentioned uh, a, a couple of really interesting things about sometimes when you watch a movie all you really want is a cheeseburger you don't need filet mignon you don't need you know any of these these delicacies what you really just want is a greasy cheeseburger uh and that is essentially what uh, nobody is uh it's a simple well-crafted cheeseburger and that is an absolute compliment as far as I'm concerned. Um, Bob Oderdeck does a great job. Uh, some of you may know him from Better Call Saul. Uh, this is a very different role for him in a lot of ways. And one of the best things about his character Hutch in this movie is that he is sort of this unassuming guy. He has a family that's just sort of on the rocks. His wife and him do not get along very well together. Uh, you, you can see it. Uh, in the movie, one of the first scenes shows that she's put this wall of pillows between the two of them in their bed. Uh, it's just sort of this indicator to the audience that things are not going well at home. Um, his son hates him, and the only kind of reprieve he gets from his family is his uh, his young daughter. I think she's probably like six or seven, um, and she's you know in that age of not really understanding what's going on, and she still loves her father, um, which is it's a it, it's a nice. Uh, what would the the word be? Uh, uh, so, you know, you just have these differences between kind of the son being um, a big jerk and seeing his dad as just like nothing very very good versus the uh, the daughter who is still sort of seeing her her father for being her father. Um, now, the thing that gets interesting, and I am about to get into some spoilers, so if you don't really want to know uh, the major plot of this. Um, the kind of it's it is a spoiler. I mean, I'm gonna have to spoil some of the stuff to to finish this review out. But um, there is a uh, a break in in their house, and Hutch decides not to hurt uh, the people who break into the house. And again, from the angle that you're seeing it, it looks like he is uh, just a wimp that he has um, no ability to hurt anyone, that he can't do uh, the things that need to be done. And it turns out that. Hutch is, uh, I think he, what does he call himself? Um, there, there's a certain phrase that he uses. Uh, I want to say he's a cleaner, but that's not, that, he's an auditor. That's what it is. So he calls himself um, the auditor. He's like, oh, I used to audit. And it turns out that what he, and it was really funny because he says that early on in the film. And the minute he goes, oh, yeah, I was in the military. Yeah, I was an auditor. I went, oh, this guy was a fed. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, he worked for one of the uh, the alphabet agencies and did lots of terrible things. Um, so that kind of like clicked in my head. I was like, okay, this movie isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, and that is, uh, that's one of the things that makes it so awesome. Uh, so 
once all of this this stuff starts to kind of play out and this robbery has happened, um, Hutch starts sort of uh, kind of changing. Um, he goes and uh, attempts to um, confront the people that robbed him. Uh, and it, that situation doesn't turn out the way that he thought. Uh, and it's funny because he really just sort of stumbles into the plot. I I, I don't know. I, I, I find it um, just very fun the way that <laughs> this plays out because uh, if, if you're watching the trailer, uh, he ends up on this bus and just kind of stumbles into this uh, Russian gang, essentially. And that's where the plot kind of takes off and you start to learn more about him. And you also learn a lot uh, about his his father, uh, who, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, uh, the best characters in the movie. Is his father um, is played by Christopher Lloyd, uh, who is famous, of course, for playing Doc in Back to the Future. Um, his his father's a uh, a retired FBI agent, and he has he absolutely has one of the best scenes in the entire movie uh that I won't I won't uh <laughs> I won't uh I won't tell you what it is but man it is it is too good so the movie is um it's violent it's very violent uh, uh a lot from what I could tell it was a lot of the same people who helped work on John Wick I mean it says from like the producers of John Wick um so I imagine they had a lot of their team it's got uh, a sort of a similar feeling Bob Oderdeck's uh Hutch has some similar mannerisms to John Wick, um, but it doesn't feel like they just wanted to make John Wick again. Uh, it, the plot's different, the character's different, and uh, there's just sort of these these specific things that are sort of taken from the John Wick movies that are that kind of uh, give these movies similarities. So you know, obviously the the violent protagonist. Uh, there's a uh, a muscle car in the movie, just like there is in John Wick. Um, the Russian villain, uh, it, but it's pretty great. I mean, I, I can't remember if Joseph and I had talked about this on previous podcasts, but one of the things that I, I'm really happy about and want to see more of is mo- movies like John Wick, movies like Nobody, um, movies like The Kid Detective, that are just these small independent, uh, these small independent films. There, we're you're not getting um, Dune all the time, right? You're not getting these garbage Star Wars movies that they keep churning out, this endless cycle of uh, worse and worse Marvel movies and Marvel uh, properties that keep coming out. Um, you know, uh, I was a big fan of Love and Monsters last year for, for the same reason. It, was, it wasn't it was based on anything. It was a completely original story. Uh, I mean, it's not. it wasn't going to, uh, you know, change the world, but it worked. Uh, it felt like there was good payoff, uh, and I was just really, really happy with with it in general. And um, I, I'm hoping that we get more st- more stuff like this, more just well executed action, drama, suspense, whatever. And it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It doesn't have to be uh, a billion dollar movie. It's just a good cheeseburger. <laughs> we need more cheeseburgers in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, uh, absolutely recommend it. Um, you can rent it now on uh, Amazon Prime, or I'm sure if you did uh, enough looking around, or who knows by the time you you see this, it may be available on a streaming service. Uh, but I I'm completely.
completely recommend it. I, I mean, honestly, this might out, this might end up turning into my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I'm not even joking. I, I really haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it, uh, and that is usually a pretty good sign that it's going to end up in my top three for the year. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, go check it out. All right. So we need to move on to let's see what's next what's next um ah yes so hollywood's in trouble <sighs> what else is new um this is something that had been sort of rumored and uh i i've been i've been hearing whispers if you will about uh a potential strike coming from certain industries in hollywood and it turns out that this might actually be happening so this is from bounding into comics um, love these guys. Uh, go check out their work. Go support them. They're a uh, an indie sort of uh, geek slash nerd slash entertainment website, whatever you want to kind of classify that as. Um, but uh, this article says the IATSE union authorizes nationwide strike amidst uh, uh, excuse me amidst dispute with alliance of motion picture and television producers. That is a mouthful. Um, uh, so this says, actually, give me one second. <clears throat> this says the A, or excuse me, the IATSE, uh, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, Moving Pictures Technicians, Artists and <laughs> Allied Crafts of the United States, it's territories and Canada. That's what IATSE stands for. That is a major mouthful. Um, they authorized a nationwide strike amidst a dispute with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP. Um, so they're going on strike. It's essentially, or at least they voted to to go on strike. Um, and part of the reason for this, and I believe the article is going to get into to a lot of it, is that uh, some of these people aren't getting paid. Uh, or they're not getting paid well, and they're getting treated like garbage. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, um, one of the most notorious uh, places to work in holiday is in the uh, the like the the groups that do all of the animation for these big uh, Marvel movies um, or anything that's got a massive budget. Uh, that whenever you have like animated characters or these these scenes where it's it's a lot of CG stuff going on whenever Spider-Man's like swinging around, or um, if if you've seen like the the final fight in Black Panther, that entire thing was pretty much CG. Um, there's numerous examples. Um, the big fight at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two comes to mind as well uh, with the big Pac-Man, and it's uh, everything's going crazy, and it's just this it's kind of all this like CG gobbledygook on the screen, and it you know it kind of gets out of hand. Um, they the the people who create that a lot of the time um and who, people who have done stuff like the animated um when they did the Sonic the Hedgehog movie a couple of years ago and they made this horrific looking version of Sonic and then everyone complained and they made another one um a lot of people praise those sort of things because uh they're like yay the fans won out against the like the, these corporations these greedy corporations who don't know what they're talking about with Sonic well Part of the, the problem with that is that the people who work on that a lot of the time, uh, 
they're not making a lot of money if making money for some of these projects uh, because they put out bids uh, to work on these different uh, these different properties. And so everyone is generally underbidding each other to get them right they're not the only ones who are suffering obviously but that's kind of one of the, the biggest stories um you can go look it up i i believe uh when life of pi won the academy award for it was like best art direction or um something that had to do with that general uh uh industry of uh cg or you know um the people who put that kind of stuff together they <laughs> They went up and accepted their Academy Award, and I want to say it was either that day or the day after, the studio that did all of that work for Life of Pi shut down. Uh, so they were like, hey, congratulations, we love what you did. Also, the company that made all this is now bankrupt. So it uh, this this is not uncommon for Hollywood. Um, they love to put on this... A facade of being a, an industry that cares about its people and cares about people and yada yada and then of course you have stuff like me too happen and and it's just like you know all people are complaining all the time about in, in these industry in this industry right they're like oh they they're always doing these specific things and it's it's racist and sexist and yada yada so on and so forth and it's like well who is your industry made up of because i can tell you one thing it's 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 pretty one-sided when it comes to uh, uh, the political spectrum. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, anyway, uh, the IATSE is made up of more than 360 local unions uh, throughout the United States and Canada. The local unions are broken up into 13 different geographical regions in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, on Twitter, the union announced uh, that the members uh, had voted to authorize the first uh, nationwide industry strike in 128 years. Um, they added 98.68% voted yes, and voter turnout among eligible members was nearly 90%. So uh, things aren't good. Things are not good in, in that industry, and clearly people feel as if they are not being represented in general. Um, and obviously I have an issue with unions. This is not the show uh, to talk about this sort of stuff. And there, uh, there's some stuff in here... Uh, that talks about like a, a working wage and, and, and some other things. And, you know, I, I think people should work. I think they should be able to work hard. And I think should be, they should be, comp excuse me, they should be compensated well uh, for what they're doing. Um, but I mean, hey, look at your own industry. Uh, you, you know, you can't go cry into the government and a lot of these other people when Hollywood is making billion dollars off of you, uh, like off of your backs and everyone is essentially just uh, so cutthroat um, that nobody's making money. And, and this is one of the problems you have with this industry being so big and being so centralized. I mean, Hollywood is a centralized industry. Um, you have to have, you have to walk, talk, and think a very specific way or you're probably never going to make it very far uh, it, among th that group of people. And it, to be honest, it's one of the reasons I, when I was younger, I wanted to be in that industry. I wanted to direct. Um, I still kind of do. But it's never going to happen from the Hollywood scene, and that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not really uh, ready yet to sort of potentially jump into uh, filmmaking and, and and a lot of that other stuff. But it's something that's been on my mind for a while, and again, it, it just shows. I think that uh, I, I think I made the right choice uh, not getting into that industry. I mean, it's long hours uh, and. The, the pay is not great if you're not 
you know, top tier in that industry, you are not making a lot of money. Uh, and it sucks because I think people love what they do and they, they want to be compensated well and they want to continue to hone their craft. Um, let's see, he says, the members have spoken loud and clear. Uh, this vote is about the quality of life as well as the health and safety of those who work in the film and television industry. Uh, our people have basic human needs like time for meal uh, meal breaks, adequate sleep, and and a weekend. For those at the bottom of the pay scale, they deserve nothing less than a living wage. So, you know, there's always that little bit of, like, um, socialist rhetoric that gets kind of thrown around in unions, which is no surprise. Uh, but at the same time, they are being treated like garbage, and they don't deserve to be because a lot of these people are very talented, and they, they do really good work. So it says, according to the Los Angeles Times, the dispute between um, these groups in Hollywood is over... Uh, pay, health, and pension plans, improved rest periods and meal breaks, and a large cut of the profits from streaming platforms. So for those of you that don't know, um, they're having to rework a lot of this stuff uh, with the way that uh, actors and the people who work on these projects are paid um, because streaming content and the money that's coming in is a lot different than the money that comes in from the revenue of the box office or traditional television. Um, and, you know, that's that's where they are. So it's kind of this big nightmare, and, you know, it's... Uh, going to be interesting to see how all of this kind of plays out. Um, Loeb told the LA Times, we really have four points that are hanging uh, hanging there and a few other issues that I think will uh, be dealt with, but you're talking about meals and breaks uh, during the day, rest periods between shifts and the weekends, a living wage for the lowest paid people, and some appropriate adjustments to new media streaming based on its maturity. He added the rest period and the quality of life issues include the meals and the breaks are clearly getting a lot of momentum, but I would not diminish the importance of the other issues I mentioned. They are priorities. So um, I don't know exactly who he's talking about when he's talking about the lowest paid workers. Like if you're an intern or you're a PA, I, I don't know, man. Like it's it's kind of just part of being in the industry. Like I guess you should probably be getting paid enough so that you can survive in like LA or San Francisco or wherever you happen to be working on on these things. Uh, again, this is one of the problems with Hollywood being so centralized in those places is that it's, like, impossible to live. Um, you know, they have some of the, uh, the highest uh, cost of living in the entire United States, and someone even making $15 an hour as a PA is going to have, or as a, a, a junior writer, is going to have so many problems uh, trying to make it in that industry. Um, that's pretty much it. it the They haven't uh, gone on strike yet, I think. Let me see if I can find that part. Uh, before the vote authorizing the strike, Loeb was asked by the LA Times on the likelihood of a strike actually happening. Uh, he responded that de uh, that depends largely on the employees and what they are prepared to do to avoid it. They've made it about power, not reason, so my read is that if they see that the strike authorization is passed, then maybe they will return to reason and the bargaining table. But if it's about power, that's a problem. Uh, it's about power. Let's be real. Um, he also noted, we're getting support from a lot of people. They recognize, I'd like to know the, the, the people, right? It says we're getting, uh, a lot of, we're getting support from a lot of people. I, I would like to know who those people are. Um, just because, I mean, if they're, if they're so on board and they want to stand behind, uh, a lot of the people who help make these movies happen, who are they? Uh, they recognize there, uh, there are issues, 
there are a lot of people supporting us that might seem like a surprise people who are in production people who run production and manage them people who are able to produce within the confines of humane work rules i suspect there are reasonable people um in the ap amptp um and so there's hope um as for the timeline on when the strike may happen Loeb said we will approach the producers after the strike vote is returned and inform them of the results and see if they are ready to get back to the table and then we'll decide about the timeline what do you make of this move uh do you see the strike in hollywood's future uh yeah probably (laughs) it's probably gonna happen um that industry needs to change anyway uh you know, there there's a lot of uh, a lot of weird stuff that's that's going on, and uh, maybe we'll get into it another week um, with like pay scales based on the platform that you're working for, and it's it's just it's really weird. Um, I I don't understand it, and it, it feels like a lot of growing pains for streaming being the <clears throat> the the unfortunately I think in some ways the the move forward um, and Paramount is uh, about to start going streaming only. They're not going to be releasing movies into theaters, I think, after next year. Uh, I think Indiana Jones is going to be one of the last movies that uh, the Paramount releases uh, in theaters, which is uh, is kind of sad, to be honest. Um, it, man, I, I'm so conflicted about that stuff. I used to think streaming was like the coolest thing ever. Uh, and to be honest, nowadays it just feels like they keep churning out so much garbage. I mean, it's it's shocking to me whenever I find a movie that was produced by Netflix or one of these other streaming companies that's actually good. Um, and a lot of the time it's an action movie that doesn't take a lot of writing uh, to get correct. That you don't have to worry about having these deep characters and writing deep arcs for them because, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's about shooting stuff or stuff blowing up. <laughs> which can be great. Uh, you know, we talked about it last week, but Extraction is just is one of those movies. All right. Um, no, we got to talk about this. Uh, I have a uh, certain amount of disdain for this actress. Um, this is another article from Bounding Into Comics talking about Melissa McCarthy. It says, Ghostbusters 2016 actress Melissa McCarthy baffled why moviegoers think reboots and relaunches are wrong. Uh, the actress recently revealed that she's baffled that moviegoers think reboots and relaunches are wrong. While promoting her upcoming film, uh, The Starling, McCarthy did an interview with Yahoo Entertainment where she was asked about her thoughts on the Ghostbusters film that she was in, 2016. Uh she was asked how do you look back on the movie uh, five years later now with perspective do you share many fans viewpoints that it was underrated is that a thing that movie's not underrated that movie is not good he he asked her do you share many fans viewpoints that the movie was underrated McCarthy responded stating there's no end to stories we can tell and there's so many reboots and relaunches and different inter- interpretations and say any of them uh, to say any of them are wrong, I just don't get it. I don't get the fight to see who can be the most negative and the most hate-filled. Everybody should be able to tell the story they want to tell, okay? Uh, and if you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it, she continued. Uh, which is really co- funny coming from her because I think that entire cast was like blasting men for not seeing the movie. Saying that people were sexist because they didn't want to see a women, like a a, a ensemble 
a female ensemble Ghostbusters movie, whatever the term would be for it. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I find McCarthy to be quite annoying as an actor. Uh, she pretty much plays the same. Excuse me. She pretty much plays the same character in everything that she's in. Uh, she's kind of one note. Uh, it was kind of fine in Bridesmaids, though I haven't seen that movie in quite some time. I, I remember Bridesmaids fondly, but I'm worried that if I go back and watch it, I'm going to be like, what did I ever like about this? You know, I think sometimes with movies, it's a, a kind of a time and place thing where someone's, a movie will strike you a specific way uh, the first time you see it. But oftentimes that changes, and usually it, it turns out to be worse Though I, there are a few instances that I can think of where a movie that I saw I didn't like it the first time, and then going back on a later watch, I was like, "Wow, that was way better." I was, it's like well, I don't know what I what mood I was in or what I was thinking the first time I saw it. Uh, nothing McCarthy has ever been in has ever made me feel that way, uh, and I'm worried that Bridesmaids I go back and watch it, and it probably would be uh, I I don't even know if I'd be able to get through it. I I man i have never liked past that anything she's ever been in um anyway you know uh they go on to talk about how babylon 5 which is a pretty famous uh, sci-fi show and uh, flight of the navigators another uh, sci-fi uh, movie from the 80s i believe are getting potential reboots um so i wanted to bring this up for two reasons two main reasons the first one being that this is just kind of another example of how um <clears throat> actors live in a bubble or live in a vacuum, if you will, where everything that they think, that they believe, that they say is being bounced off of other people who just think exactly like they do. Um, so they don't have anyone going like, yeah, reboots suck. It was like, do you not... It, it, this, and this is what's so interesting and why people get mad at uh, criticism is that... <clears throat> so, for instance, someone like me... Uh, says the Mandalorian isn't as good as everyone thinks that it is right and if I left that on my on just on that statement right you'd have some people go yeah I agree and then you have a lot of angry Star Wars fans um the thing is is that I can generally back that up um for a number of different reasons like I have criticisms of that specific show and I have a lot of criticisms of everything Melissa McCarthy has been in um and uh, uh, Kevin Feig, is that that dude's name, uh, who directed Ghostbusters 2016? Um, I'm looking this up right now. Ghostbusters 2016. Is that the name of the director? Do, do, do the... Paul Feig, not Kevin Feig. I always get... Because it's Kevin Feige is the dude from Marvel. Um, yeah, Paul Feig. Awful director. <laughs> I uh, I had planned on doing a video about him forever ago. He, The dude legitimately seems like he cares more about the, his hat collection than he does about directing. Um, uh, but yeah, so... The... A lot of the people in Hollywood, right, they come from, uh, they, they've, uh, man, I don't know if there's a kind way to say this. <clears throat> um, there's, it, it, it's kind of incestuous, uh, the relationship that I think Hollywood has with itself, because a lot of these directors, a lot of the people, right, so you, let's, let's take someone like 
Steven Spielberg, um, who is generally considered to be one of the greatest directors of all time. No matter what you think of his movies, um, he has influenced a lot of people. One of those people is J.J. Abrams. Another one of those people was M. Night Shyamalan. These are two men who were who are part of the Hollywood scene who have been influenced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, both of them, I believe, at one point or another, have been called the Spielberg of their generation. Um, I know Shyamalan was like after The Sixth Sense. Like people were like, "Oh, he's the next Spielberg," right? That turned out not to be true. Uh, he kind of turned out to be way in over his head as far as writing was concerned um and then took on some pretty terrible projects uh and then you have someone like jj abrams who understands clinically how you make a steven spielberg film but does not understand how to make a steve like you know i think his problem is is that he clinically knows how to make a steven spielberg film but there's nothing that's his own right there's nothing about a movie they go oh this is a jj abrams film because everything he makes just looks like he's copying something that Steven Spielberg did, right? I, I guess you could say the whole lens flare thing, but I imagine you could probably go back and watch some Spielberg movies, and you'd be like, oh yeah, he got that from <laughs> from Spielberg too, and just ramped it up really hard. Um, not to mention that Abrams is now considered the person who has killed both Star Wars and Star Trek, and has uh, got his target set on DC as well with Superman. So... Not exactly glowing, uh, glowing reviews of of Hollywood or any of those people, and I, I think that goes back to the point of they don't understand what people want because they're not listening. They don't. They're not out here uh, realizing that places like YouTube have sort of taken over uh, the general talk about um, the entertainment industry, about filmmaking, about comic books, about television, whatever the case may be, and that. There are a lot of people out there that are just like, this stuff is garbage, right? And that kind of leads me into my second point. Um, Hollywood doesn't have any ideas anymore. This has been said for years at this point. I mean, I, I can probably think back to about 10 years ago when, uh, you know, they were... Uh, actually, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? So, I mean, like, finishing up Harry Potter, we're getting into this age where everyone is essentially just stealing, or not stealing, they're buying the rights to make movies for all these young adult novels, Twilight, Hunger Games, um, the one with uh, the maze, and the other one with the, the Woodley girl, where th- th- things happen, uh, can't remember the name of it uh insurgent or something like that i mean you know some some of these were so generic <laughs> uh okay so back during when that all of that was going on uh, everyone was going hollywood's got no more ideas left right i think at this point they're really just out of ideas. I mean, they're rebooting Buffy. They're rebooting Babylon 5. They're trying to reboot The Office. I'm sure Parks and Rec is coming back at some point as a reboot or um, as a soft... So they have remakes and soft reboots. 
Um, so they're remaking all this stuff, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Disney try to remake the original trilogy and the prequels uh, at some point. I mean, they're trying to, like, keep Indiana Jones alive, but, you know, like Joseph and I were talking about in past episodes, they're bringing Phoebe Waller-Bridge in uh, to, like, replace him or something, and, I mean, all they're doing is, like, you know, this stuff with Lord of the Rings that's going on, and, and... you know, you know, it's Hollywood just doesn't have any ideas anymore. Uh, they they can't seem to pick up a book or gra- like of myth- they can't seem to pick up a book of mythology from another culture and just go, oh, let's let's do this. Let's find a way to write stories about this. Let's take a character. Let's take uh, ideas from. African culture, from Mexican culture, from Latin America, from what, I mean, literally whatever. Like, I mean, it, oh man, it doesn't, you know, find some stories in the Bible and turn them into something. I mean, people have been doing that forever, uh, and they haven't reached the bottom of that well, I don't think yet. So, man, I mean, if you're just paying attention to the stuff that they're doing and and constantly trying to bring back uh, the same stuff it's like oh man i mean just look at like the number of spider-men we've had since toby Maguire, and you know uh i i just i'm desperate for some like original content like i was saying before like some good action some good drama some good sci-fi and it's new right uh, I mean, I'll even, I, you know, you have to give at least some credit to Battlestar Galactica, the the, the reboot, technically. Uh, but nobody knew what the other one was. And they, they took some of the ideas from that original one and really turned it into something excellent. A great space drama. Um, you look at something like, well, I guess The Expanse was books, but I think the show's gotten past all of that at this point. Um, and it's okay to take those ideas from specific places, right? Um, and I think my whole point with J.J. Abrams earlier is really that it's okay to be inspired by someone like Spielberg, but if you don't understand the basics, uh, like the fundamentals of telling a story, the fundamentals of how uh, to craft uh, a narrative, something that from beginning to end works, where you're you know you're you're not making these contrived situations you don't have these mary sue type characters um <clears throat> that aren't going through any sort of struggle you know you you have to understand people and again this is the thing is like hollywood is so insulated that they seem to not understand how people work and that people struggle and that recognizing the struggle in another character no matter who they are what they believe who they prefer to be in bed with, they can recognize characteristics in, in themselves, in those characters. And, and those are the things that they really like. Um, not all this, oh, this is just a, oh man, like, uh, oh, this is, this is just a representation of women's power or whatever. And you're like, okay, 
Like everything, I look at everything now and I go, mm, what are they doing with this, right? Uh, there's a movie coming out called The Last Duel or something like that. You're like, oh yeah, that, that kind of looks cool. And then the trailer comes out and you're like, is this just like a, like a female empowerment movie or is the trailer just making you assume that, right? Um, and those movies can be fine. I mean, there's been plenty of stuff that's been made in the past uh, that's been great. It's been very, um, it, you know, it's it's strong female characters. And in the past, it was done well because it was believable. And now you're just like, I don't know, you know. I, uh. <laughs> it's like everything that comes out, and it and it it's almost like hinting at that. You're like, maybe I don't want to go see that, you know. And the more people that wake up to this stuff, and you know, the more it's talked about in ordinary circles the less money Hollywood's going to be making. Uh, And if they don't course correct and they don't deal with their own internal issues as well, it might be done. Uh, But maybe it's for the best. Maybe it's time for the the machine to just burn down and something to come out of its ashes. Uh, Maybe it's time for an an actual reboot of Hollywood. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't need to be as centralized as it was. I mean, anybody anybody can pick up a cinema camera at this point and make something. Um, So who knows? All right, I think I got one more topic to talk about, and I've got to get to this one because, oh, whoops, this is ridiculous. Um, so Shank Uger, who is or Shank or however you say the guy's name, uh, he's one of the hosts of uh, the Young Turks. He is actually quite a controversial figure. He's someone I haven't paid attention to in a couple of years. Like he's always kind of been in the background there. Um, you should go look up uh, some of the stuff that he's he's mentioned about horses uh, and his feeling on the legalization of some of the things that you should be able to do with horses. It's quite uh, it's quite interesting. So um, this is a tweet that came across um, by uh, Phil. Uh, what's Phil's last name? Phil Levante, I think. He uh, he's the front man for All That Remains. Um, good band, good metal band. Um, he says here he's referring uh, he's referring to Joe Rogan. Uh, uh, Shank Chink Chank Chank thinks he could beat up Joe. Uh, says deal easiest thousand dollars I've ever made. You think he's going to assault me? Sure, whatever. That's incredibly dumb, but also wouldn't work. I'm much larger than Joe, and I fought my whole life. I'd end him, but uh, grown ups don't do that. I'll send you the PO box. Bob, send check to later. I, I okay that kind of a weird tweet but um we're gonna kind of like end it here and i know some of the audio listeners might not be able to uh fully um appreciate what i'm about to to show um i i titled this in the show notes why he's wrong uh and you know just listen to this um oops and you'll Rogan's uh, kicking a bag. There's a great video of uh, Rogan uh, when he was a kid just annihilating this kid. Just, we'll play that back one more time. He just uh, roundhouses this kid. Boom. Takes him down. So 
<clears throat> Rogan's actually got a story about that too that he sent that kid to the hospital. Um, so I don't know. Uh, he, you know, Rogan is also a uh, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I believe he's been a black belt for some time. So he's just not exactly someone that I would um, believe that I could easily beat up. But this is, you know, um, Shank or whatever his name is has a big mouth. So, and uh, obviously he's never going to put his money where his mouth is because I would pay to watch that, and I don't think it would turn out that the the way that the Mr. Turk thinks that it would. So, all right, everybody. Um, that's going to do it for uh, the second standalone episode of The Underground. This was episode 35, I believe. So we're moving right along. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening. We will be back next Tuesday, hopefully with Joseph. See you guys then. Politics ruins everything being patient with them i try to but you got room temperature iq expecting a lecture from these idiot guys who got opinions not worth it's what's under my shoe y'all tripping on truth when we call it out because y'all people as goofy as i'll get out if y'all with them and not with you i'd sit out because every rapper's on the list now mad at a pitch count throwing heaters like my soul's beat up no people focus on hoaxes in the shows he book and i'm hoping to open doors and i got foes and such but i know that i'll be opposing to the goal i must start attacking Ain't lacking, my brain's lashed in Same way that I game is the same way of the backhand All the pain that I bring up is like the bang to the Batman I'm back cracking Whack trends claiming they rap fans and backtracking Give a crap about the what's his face Only thing you out rapping is a sandwich at Subway And y'all just so happen to welcome beef on my lunch plate And you are a disaster and this can only go one way And you're steady flashing guns in your music viz And I know you do it for the fun but what you doing is Abusing every rule of course you can use it quick You're showing the world you don't know what you are doing kid your time when you can be so much more so much more so much more Everybody is ignorant. It's only when you speak on what you don't know you become slow and that ignorance crosses into stupidity. Yet I'm still spending my energy debating enemies that tend to be idiots, really inept politically, that don't have the depth or with me. Oh well, it'll be co-chance in hell, so riddle me this. How am I supposed to take you serious when all of your positions are socially expedient? Thinking you a rebel, but at most you obedient. Opposing opinions make folks be belligerent. A cult and religious, so you know what's on CNN and vote what you told by the folks that gotta send this message. Oh, you a hypocrite and I'm in awe cause the diversity you advocate is not in thought. You get away with it cause you placed in a freaking chamber with echoes ringing surrounded by a bunch of brainless. Your aim is yet all the same shame cause you ain't slick afraid to relate other things cause you nameless. Tamed and weak and pathetic you epitomized. Politic ties cause you scared to be criticized. Ancient trick you ain't say this. You afraid to unplug from the matrix. Basic. You waste your time when you can be so much more, so much more.